Hello and welcome again to KPMG's Advice Worth Keeping podcast series, where we hear from firm professionals and third-party thought leaders on important trends, topics, and leading practices. I'm Steve Stein, partner and co-lead of KPMG's Information Governance and Privacy Practice in the United States. And joining me today here in Chicago is Austin McLaughlin, who is a director in our practice from our San Francisco office. Austin, welcome to Chicago. Thank you, Steve. It's a little warmer than the last time I was here, which was February. So yeah, I didn't have to bring the overcoat this time. Well, I promised that we would get you into our special podcast recording room before the winter started. So it's great to have you here today. Great to be here. So Austin, I thought it would be interesting today to bring you in to talk about what are the clues from GDPR in Europe and how it's impacted individuals and companies, as well as regulators in Europe, and how that experience will translate and may translate to California through the California Consumer Privacy Act. And I thought you'd have sort of an interesting vantage point as a European yourself who's living in California. Maybe your personal journey would be interesting to folks to hear about. Yeah, so I've been been in the States, in California, for about seven years now. And one thing that struck me is coming over from Europe and some of the privacy aspects of being a European, which you take for granted until maybe you come over here. And I still, to this very day, am receiving snail mail spam, which frustrates me and kind of infuriates me to a sense of... (laughs) you know, invasion of privacy almost. And I'm curious to like, where is this personal information of mine being leaked from? Why are these companies sending me? I've no interest in this company. I've even got one company that I'm a customer of and they're sending me material on a product I already have. So it just goes to show you that you can do privacy well if you know your customer better, but throwing out marketing in this context, it's frustrating, kind of alien. What about you? I mean, how do you feel about marketing? Well, it's so funny because, you know, we've been working together for the past couple of years and I've never seen someone get so frustrated (laughs) around just spam email, for example. You know, we've been in meetings where you're like, how does this company know about me? And then you'll say to me, well, doesn't that bother you? And I'm like, nah. Why doesn't it bother you? It's just sort of ordinary. We've been getting spam letters from customers using the postal service for years. It's just part of, I guess, the American consumer experience, right? Yeah, and I think that's the difference. It's a fine example of where consumerism trumps over privacy over here, while in in Europe, the spam levels are so much lower and non-existent because of that respect of personal data and understanding of privacy. Give us your perspective on GDPR. Where did it emanate from? And maybe you compare that to CCPA. GDPR, as probably a lot of listeners may know, came from, superseded really the EU Privacy Directive from 95. The principles are pretty much the same around transparency, accountability, purpose limitation, data minimization, and data protection. But the rigor around it has increased, the enforcement has increased, and the power of enforcement. So, for example, before the ICO in the UK, which is the uh, Data Protection Authority there, could only force up to 500,000. Now they have the capability of 20 million or 4% of annual revenue turnover. That's one example of the change. 
there's more awareness from a, an individual consumer perspective as well. They have easier abilities to access their data from the previous directive. And it standardizes the regulation. That was one of the challenges with the directive was um, there were different interpretations and it led to some discrepancies in interpretation. So it's been a landmark privacy reg that's been a positive privacy shockwave, really, that's hit global and has come stateside form of CCPA. It's not like GDPR came out of nowhere. It came naturally from another but regime. Yeah. And CCPA is different, right? It is. It, it has been inspired by GDPR, which has come from the EU directive and really just a different mindset of privacy. So it's not a brand new reg in the privacy space in the US, but it, it's certainly one of the most rigorous ones and closest to GDPR in terms of its ability for giving control to consumers, the enforcement aspect of it. There's a lot of rigor to it similar to GDPR. You've been advising corporations both in Europe and the United States for many years. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we start from like the company perspective first. So what has the GDPR impact on companies been? And again, does that offer clues in terms of how companies should expect CCPA to be you know, not only enforced, but operationalized? Taking one particular area of GDPR, the DSAR, which is probably one of the most challenging areas and the most interactive area from a consumer to a corporation. So looking at some of the statistics that come out since GDPR, there was a surge initially that died down. So the surge generally came to the larger companies, the social media companies, the retailers. And some companies were asking right off the bat for an extension over the 30 days, and that was common. There was a report run last year, 103 respondents, where 70% affirmed that they couldn't fulfill the hmm. DSAR request within a 30-day period, retailers being the majority of the culprits there. I think companies underestimated the effort. They underestimated where their data was. They underestimated the awareness that they thought their team had. Another example, like this particular company, they put together a global self-service privacy portal, global being the operative word there. So you can have UK, you can have European folks under GDPR executing their right to a DSAR. But the interesting fact, out of those 18 million requests at this point of the survey, 6.7 or 37% came from the US. Huh. And that's pre-CCPA. Right. So that gives a sense of the appetite for the execution of DSARs. Yes, because that is an appetite versus awareness, right? I would anticipate in California there'll be a significant amount of awareness. Yes, um, you know, it's a progressive state, progressive folks, they like to challenge the norm, and I think they will not be afraid to get involved and execute their right under CCPA. So we'll get back to companies at the end with, you know, because I'd like to get at least some of your perspectives on what you think companies should do as they mm -hmm. get ready for CCPA. But could we at least touch a little bit of, on the regulator and the supervisory authorities? Like, you know, yeah. were the European supervisory authorities ready? Are they ready now? Have they bulked up? Yeah. You know, what are, what are you yeah. seeing and hearing? Coming from Ireland, I can give you a couple of references. I mean, this is public information, but I think it's interesting because... The Irish DPC, uh, Data Protection Commission, oversees a lot of the tech companies in California from a GDPR perspective, given that the European headquarters are based in Ireland. So I thought it would be a good reference point. So how have they reacted to, to the GDPR? They've anticipated a workload. 
Their role really is to educate, to advise both the consuming public and also corporations around the RAG, deal with inquiries or audits, and obviously enforce and fine. That takes a number of people. They've increased working staff to 40. For this coming year, they're going to invest 17 million. So it's a big undertaking for them to actually do all these things that they need to do as a body supporting the GDPR. Let's get into some specific examples. For 2019 thus far, they alone have had 70,000 privacy-related complaints, Hmm. 5,000 breach notifications, and 40,000 inquiries into the regulation itself. There is active participation on both sides because they're mediating effectively between the consumer and the corporation. So there is clearly activity on both sides there from both the last staff on inquiries around the regulation. That's both consumers and corporations. So from what you know, will the California regulator be ready? <laughs> um, that's a good question. Or, I mean, or maybe that's not maybe that's not a fair question. Maybe the idea is, is it safe to assume that this sort of ramp up that it's taken in Europe for the regulators, will that be a similar ramp up, do we think, in California? Yeah, as you see and is out there, the, the regulator is being inundated with requests for amendments. We've just gone through an amendment being passed. It's going to public review coming up. So they're on this journey as well as everyone else. And I think if you consider the DPC in Ireland as an example, they've had to build, had to invest, they've had to increase their workforce to deal with the onslaught of inquiries, given the, the rights that are effectively been presented to individuals and California residents in this case. Yeah, it'll probably be slow. There'll be interpretations, there'll be case laws. But if the trend is similar, fines will happen. And obviously the private right to action will be executed as well. They need to be ready, but I don't think it's going to happen overnight. Some of our clients are using July 1st as their start date, not January 1st, because January 1st is the effective date, but the enforcement date is July 1st, 2020. They're taking maybe the long finger approach there as well. It'll be interesting to see, but no doubt there will be teeth and there will be actions. So let's transition to individuals. What's the GDPR experience for individuals? Obviously, in the few times I've been to Europe since May of 2018, Every website you go to has cookie consents. Yeah. So your internet experience is different. The amount of notice around GDPR rights is pretty stunning yeah. when you're there. How do we think that'll translate? Well, it's interesting. Even my mom knows what GDPR is. My friends do. And, and they're like, oh, now I understand. She's going to know even more after listening to our <laughs> podcast today. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> But it's interesting that my friends are now saying, oh, so that's what you've been doing for the last 15 years. Okay, now I understand it because, you know, even though they're European, I think the awareness, that's one of the great things about GDPR is that it's brought that awareness out. Whereas the right was always there, but now there's been more rigor around it, more appreciation, more investment, etc. So they had the rights, they just weren't aware of them. And now they're exercising them you know, it's hitting primetime news programs in Europe, in Ireland, UK, as it is here. So there's definitely greater awareness and people are more inclined to actually execute on their rights. Probably more on the marketing side, more where there's it's a nuance where they're getting spam 
versus probably the deletion aspect to get removed off the marketing off list. Off marketing, yeah. Is probably the more prolific requests that are going through. Right to objections, the core right to delete under GDPR is probably less, but they're probably bigger cases for those particular ones. There's definitely a large wave of awareness, as I said. And you know, coming over to this side, I think that's going to be similar. Just given the awareness of GDPR globally, I mean, it's hit Brazil. It has really raised the awareness of GDPR, privacy, and rights that are in Europe. And why can't we have these rights here? I think a lot of people will know because there'll be a lot of media attention right at the outset in January. I think there could be major breaches. There could be large consumer groups that are trying to collect individuals to make requests on companies and otherwise. I think there could be huge demand to enforce CCPA rights. Absolutely, yeah. The privacy advocacy rights uh, groups as well won't be afraid to take advantage of it, for sure. Any thoughts that you have on what are your top five things or top 10? I don't know if it's five or 10. What are your top things that you'd advise companies to think about as they prepare for CCPA using the GDPR experience experience as a guide? So I think fundamentally, having supported companies with the GDPR experience, I think fundamentally, there's a couple of things. Having the right team in place, I think, is key. Whether that's internal and support external, whether it's external counsel for guidance on particular legalese, or whether it's consultants like ourselves to help actually implement and operationalize, that's key. Having a plan, prioritized plan, risk-based plan, depending on the nature of your business is key. Those are just fundamentals that need to be put in place. But then jumping into specific priorities Similar to GDPR, it's the external-facing aspects of your privacy program that you want to ensure are ticked and tied. So notice is one example. That's where you're interfacing with the public. Ensuring that the notice is clear and conspicuous incorporates all the aspects of CCPA and how you're dealing with those requirements. How are you dealing with DSARs? How are you describing what you disclose to third parties, etc.? So having clear concise and not overly legal. And one tip is to break it out into sections that are clear. And that actually came out on the second wave of regs for CCPA, more conspicuous and clarity in the notice. So that's one obvious area. DSARs are another key area, ensuring there's a process defined, a repeatable process, even if you're going manual, let's have a defined life cycle, do some testing on it, have roles and responsibilities assigned, Uh, Test for the timing. Don't do your first run on your first formal request, you know, January 2. Ensure that you have some estimate of the effort there. Educating your staff, we saw from the survey that call center folks, they didn't know what this GDPR DSAR request was. So that delayed and then ultimately impacted their ability to respond within time. Tooling, looking a little bit further, manual process is obviously going to be probably a first protocol for many. But considering a ramp up, particularly companies in the retail space that have a large number of BDCs, would want to consider tools and still an early market in terms of tooling. We've worked with a number of tooling companies out there and they're definitely improving and they, they really reduce the effort in the long run. External support then, one of the challenges is going to be like, how many requests are we going to get? Is it going to be one? Is it going to be two? Is it going to be 200? 
And one way to deal with that is to get temporarily external support in that can scale or reduce as needed and can absorb that initial wave, whether that's running for six months, two months. We saw in GDPR, it was two to three months was the sweet spot where it increased. You know, our team is looking into working with clients on that co-sourcing support model to actually be able to help companies absorb the DSAR wave, particularly at the early stages. So those are a couple of things. The last real thing then is around reducing the risk of a breach, and that's essentially security for privacy. So bolstering your security program to ensure you've got good access control, you've got good encryption on your data, multi-factor authentication to really reduce that risk of breach, because not only is that going to affect you financially from the private right of action, it's also going to get you on the radar with the uh, regulatory authority. And suddenly they're going to be coming knocking, looking at other areas. So some key ones. And one thing I did forget to mention is knowing your footprint. None of this can happen if you don't know where your personal data is. And similarly with GDPR, the first thing we did with clients was help them ensure they know where their data is. And that's generally through a data inventory, knowing your systems, where the, the data is stored or being processed, also knowing your third parties, where the data is going to, what are they doing with it, how are they dealing with it. So that's another key aspect. Those are all great. I think my only ask of you, Austin, at the end is I think we'll try to get you back in the winter time after January to maybe give a, an eyewitness account of the conditions in the field in California to hear what you're seeing in the media, seen in other notices and otherwise. Yeah, would love to uh, love to brief you on that in the coming time. And to our listeners, if you keep listening, we'll keep generating content of this type. Really appreciate Austin McLaughlin to join us today. Thank you for listening to our Advice Worth Keeping podcast series. Should you want to discuss this topic or anything else privacy related, please continue to feel free to contact me at sstein at kpmg.com. That's S-S-S-T-E-I-N at kpmg.com. You could find this podcast online. You could go to kpmg.com forward slash us forward slash podcasts. Thank you for your time today. And we look forward to talking to you soon.